Pulp MX Network production. EVS Sports brings you a cheeky Brit and an American YouTube racing sensation weekly on the LVK More Than Moto podcast. Here's your hosts, Lewis Phillips and Kellen Brower. Yeah, welcome everybody into episode number seven of the EVS Sports LVK More Than Moto podcast. Kellen Brower from RacerX, Lewis Phillips from Vital MX with you today. Remotely, though, because, uh, Lewis, you're a little under the weather, so we're just trying to keep each other safe and sane. Yes, stay at home, save lives. Um, <laughs> let's, bring all, let's bring Matt back. Yeah. Um, so you caught that over the weekend or what? Because I'm, gr- I'm a little grizzly too right now. I feel like my throat's all jammed up. I don't know. I just woke up on Sunday morning and I was like, I, I did not get... I had to check out at a hotel at noon and I got out of bed at noon. Like, oh, I was brutal. Was that the worst flight ever then? Yep. Um, And I was so like foggy, right? This will make me sound insane. So I regret starting saying this. Um, I was so like brain foggy and confused and stuff that I just walked off and left my bags in the food court in the airport. Oh, did you have someone come up and be like, "Uh, sir? I got on the plane. I was on the air bridge and then was like, shit. And ran back as fast as I could. And luckily it was still just sat there. So um, I wasn't. I'm not really in a very good state this week. Bodes well for this podcast, huh? Wow! I like. First of all, I mean, luckily you didn't get in more trouble from that. I guess because that that's one thing at airports. They're like, yeah, do not leave your luggage unattended somewhere or whatever. And I don't know. I've seen people get hunted down for doing that. Yeah, I know. That's what I. My first thought was a. I may never get this bag back, and b. The airport may be about to be shut down because of a security risk. <laughs> and it would be. Your fault, and you would be sick, so you'd just be miserable. Uh, yeah, yeah, that would not be fun. Um, yeah, so back at it again. We took a week off from LVK because there wasn't too much to discuss in the off week. I mean, there was always bench racing topics we could get into, but nothing that you and I felt super emblazonedly passionate about. Um, but this week we got some fun topics, so I'm excited for it. Hopefully, you're not going to be too worn out by the end of it because uh, I think these topics are going to be fun. Okay, I will. Try my best. Please don't judge. No hate, just appreciate. No hate comms. Uh, yeah, so we're going to get into it. We'll do our seven minutes per topic as usual. And before we do that, just want to give a big thank you to EVS Sports. Over the past 39 years, EVS Sports has established themselves as the leaders in innovation and technology when it comes to designing protection gear for today's motocross riders. Athletes like RJ Hampshire, Kyle Chisholm, Freddie Norton, Axel Hodges, and Travis Pastrana all wear EVS when they race, ride, or whenever Travis decides to do that day. Check out evs-sports.com to gear up like the pros and use the code LVK30 to save on anything from knee protection to shoulder braces. We also want to thank Nomura, the leading provider of engine components for motocross, ATV, UTV, and personal watercraft over two decades. Nomura has been the preferred choice for premium and dependable engine components for more than 20 years. Whether you're restoring your vintage bike, rebuilding your four-wheeler, or upgrading your new 450 race motor, Nomura has you covered. Our extensive line of cast and forged pistons, connecting rods, gasket kits, engine valves, and soon cylinder kits that enhance your engine's performance. Keep an eye out for our new and innovative products in 2024 and beyond. Stay up to date by following us on Instagram at Nomura underscore technologies. And of course, Race Tech also will be bringing you guys the fan topic of the week. Uh, and for 40 years, Race Tech has been uh, supplying the motorcycle industry with high quality suspension components made right here in the USA. For modern and vintage, Race Tech is your go to source for suspension performance and uh forgot to tweet out asking a fan topic but we have one from a couple weeks ago that i think is going to be pretty good to get into so lewis first topic we're both in arlington we watched the main event unfold the 450 main event was 
good, but it wasn't groundbreaking or a little bit of anything that was going to be something to write home about until Jet Lawrence, with what, three minutes left on the clock, kind of tossed it away a little bit and gave Cooper Webb an opening, which Webb took. And then Eli Tomac caught up late and then Jet Lawrence goes down late. Um, so the debate topic or, or how we want to phrase this discussion a little bit or what I wanted to ask about it is Jet Lawrence has been clearly managing some of these races to a degree where there's obvious ability to go faster for him, but he's trying to ride smarter and not crash. This one was to some level, maybe a bit of a management, but he still had a mistake. And when he got up from the crash, because he was managing it and only had a three second gap, he got up in second place and had to try to pass an elite again. And then a rookie mistake happens because he just runs into the back of uh, Vince Freeze. So for you, do you think that Jet Lawrence still has the right approach to 450 Supercross with this race management situation? Oh, that's there is a lot there, Kellen. Jeez, gee whiz. Um, yes, yes. I, I my gut feeling is that Jet is basically going to win this championship, and we are delaying the inevitable. Um, similar to like, I mean, this is a terrible comparison, and it's going to make everyone actually. This is a better comparison. Last year, if Tomac whole shot, that was the guy where it was like, ah, oh, well, we may as well go home. It's done. That's my feeling with Jet, whereas my that's not quite my feeling with everyone else. So if, like when Jet whole shot the main event, I immediately was like, well, that's it. Um, whereas, yeah, I don't have that same conviction with the other riders. To your more specific point, I do feel like he is doing a very good job at not being a rookie. I mean, kind of bad to say that after he just crashed twice in the space of four laps or whatever it was. But we haven't seen a massive crash. All of the mistakes, I don't know what it is about Jet, but have you noticed how when he crashes, it's always so elegant and like soft and he always <laughs> runs off. Like he always lands on his feet. He's, he's not like, to my memory and to my knowledge, so far in 450 Supercross, he's not crashed and headbutted the ground, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, you're right. Not in a race situation, but he did crash pretty hard on press day at San Diego and uh, hurt his wrists <laughs> or thumb point. or something like that. So he's, he's made mistakes. No question about it. Uh, and, and the reason why I'm even asking this is because uh, the speed is there to dominate to some degree, I think. Like the similar situation to what we've seen out of Eli in the past, as you mentioned, or if you want to go back to James in the past, uh, Jet Lawrence's race speed is higher than what he is showing every single week. And it seems like he's trying to stay metered and reserved, but he is still making mistakes. So should he should he start going faster? Like, should he try to put bigger gaps on? So if those mistakes do happen, like they did with Stu, he, he could still get up and be in the lead and win. It doesn't matter. Yeah, there's no margin for error, is there, so far? Um, but then, as I say, like I feel... I feel like if he needs to, Jet can reel off successive wins. And again, I wouldn't say that about anyone else. If he does get into a, to quote Ricky, a must situation, um, then I feel like he can handle that and he can do what he needs to do. I I think Daytona is going to be a turning point for the series. Tomac will be great, but I see Jet just being like unstoppable at Daytona. Um, I see it being Jet... Little Gap, Eli, the rest. Um, and the start straight first turn setup is similar to Arlington and Detroit, where he whole shot both times. So, like, in my mind, this is going to be a big jet statement win. 
Um, and then if you give him the Arlington win, which he was on course for, that's two in a row, effectively. It's not, but, you know, to our knowledge, where we've seen how these races are going, as good as two in a row. And then you can start to, it starts to set in that this is Jet's uh, show. What makes you so confident that Daytona is, is like a big thing for Jet? Like, why is it that Daytona is something that he's going to be so much more comfortable in? Because, like, to me, Daytona and, like, maybe Chicagoland are the most similar comparisons to what we've seen him on a 450 so far. And it's not like he had a bunch of wins successively on a 250 at Daytona in the past. So, yeah, he was great outdoors, but I feel like we're kind of past that. Like, now we're deep in Supercross. The suspension is completely different. I think I need to really see it to believe it for him to be dominant at Daytona. Uh, yes, but I would say that I just believe that Daytona will give him the room to kind of show off how good he is. Some of his technical ability will come to the forefront, whereas Tomac's ability in Daytona is kind of just to bulldoze through the tough stuff. I feel like you'll see Jet prance around and be, again, to use the word I've used once already, very elegant. Um, And I think that will be very good for him. Like, I think that his mistakes have kind of come from, like, um, tight margins in Supercross and I feel like those are out the window a little bit at Daytona um, obviously I guess his outdoor rides are in the back of my mind as well that has to play a factor but would you what so you think that Tomac's the clear favorite for Daytona and Jet's just another guy or I mean yeah coming off of what I've seen off of Tomac's improvements the last couple of weeks and knowing how good he is at Daytona I would put Tomac ahead of Jet but I also asked uh, Steve and Chris and Michael Lindsay on the Pulp Show who has to start in front of who for it to be a good race. And all, everyone seemed to agree Eli has to hold shot for it to be a good race because they thought Jet's speed was better. Um, I don't know if I'm there. Like I feel like watching Tomac in that main event, we saw that Tomac's speed you know, is elite at this point in time. And if it shows up at Daytona, I think they're comparable, at least, at least minimally comparable. Yeah. Okay. I, again, I can't disagree with you, but <laughs> I, I think I think that take from everyone else is just the fact that like there's an underlying vibe of like Daytona is going to be great for Jet. Like that's just that kind of just exists in the background of everyone's minds. Maybe yeah. not you, but yeah. I think maybe you're the exception in that case. Getting back to the kind of original topic here before we wrap up on this one, though. Uh, what do you think it is about Jet's mistakes so far? That that is it just rookie mistakes? Because this one was. You know, just a little cross rut. He crashes it in Anaheim too, uh, in the final round of the Triple Crown, just going down in the whoops by himself. He had the case of the quad on press day at San Diego. Uh, I kind of write off the mud races as whatever, but he's clearly making enough mistakes that it's noticeable. But what is it about it that you're you're seeing? Yeah, and there have been a few that haven't resulted in crashes, like uh, Detroit. He got he had two major mistakes. Uh, one I don't think was on TV, but he got pitched on the triple that Cullen Park crashed on. Mm-hmm. And it was in the moment, it was like, oh boy, oh, oh, oh. like it really looked like it was going to be dramatic. Uh, it wasn't. So it does feel like he's flirted with the edge a couple of times. Um, and I understand why that's made some people believe that it's going to bite him at some point. But my sunny side up way of looking at it is, is, he, is, he, is that he's flirted with the edge so many times and kind of got away with it. So I feel like he's controlled mistakes a little bit (laughs) do you know i don't know what the phrase would be like controlled chaos i don't know like i don't feel like it's jet to your question i don't feel like it's jet being loose wild and a danger to himself no yeah i mean it 
I think it is exemplified rookie mistakes. So like, it's just we expect at some point these guys are going to struggle on a 450 in their first year, and he's he's just having small mistakes. Like, it's not career ender stuff or anything like that. But uh, yeah, certainly is weird. I mean, like the race management question. The reason why I even brought it in the first place is because. I don't know. I felt like he was managing that race. Like it seemed pretty obvious to me. And then if he had pulled away to 10 seconds, he still would have won anyway. So either way. Um, but yeah, let's get into our second topic, which kind of pertains to what we already discussed in the middle of this jet debate. Uh, the common phrase that Ricky Carmichael likes to say is the series starts at Daytona. And this year, Daytona is slightly earlier in the season. Uh, it's around eight as opposed to nine or 10. So we can kind of debate that a little bit as well. But, uh, yeah, the series has never been closer in a realm of the top, what, seven, six guys still being this close together heading into Daytona. I mean, we we're talking about Eli Tomac being great, and he's still sixth in points. So uh, <clears throat> who who do we even have as the favorite moving forward here? Because it looked like Jet Lawrence was going to walk away and win. He doesn't. Now Cooper Webb has two wins on the season. Roxon's looked great. Chase Sexton's still dealing with an injury, but he's right in the mix. Uh, Jason Anderson up and down. Eli Tomac looking very, very solid. I, I, it's such an interesting mixed bag in this 450 class. It doesn't seem like anyone's taking and running with it, but do you have a guy that you're looking at right now is like, uh, here we go. Yeah, Jet. Okay. Is that not everyone? Does everyone not feel the same way? I think everybody does, but I think just back to the point that we talked about to start the show, there's still the mistakes showing up, and he's still a rookie. We've only ever had two rookie 450 Supercross champions ever, and so even though Jet has been solid and leads the championship, it's not like he's proved yet that he can just take this thing by the neck and run with it if i have to give you my favorites in order jet number one then it gets harder but jet and again this is recency bias so it could change but i'm kind of going with the flow i'm not trying to just stick to my guns i'm trying to like read the situation week on week and try to pivot um as is our job to kind of cover the races and you know, gauge where things are going. Uh, Jet, Eli, now, big U-turn. Cooper is my, that's my, um, yeah, that's my free in order. Okay. Uh, Chase Sexton told me that he's not 100%, and I'm sure you talked to him, and he said basically the same thing on press day, and it's obvious, I feel like, in his main event riding that the full distance comfort isn't there. Like, he gets fatigued. He talked about weighting the opposite arm and getting arm pump and stuff like that. Uh, how long at this point do you think it is until we see 100% Chase Sexton again? And is it too late at that point? Well, I don't know if he said the same to you, but he told me it was deep bone bruising. Yep. Um, I'm always skeptical. Is it deep bone bruising? Is there more there? Um, we're kind of trained to be skeptical in this sport because we've been bitten so many times that we kind of don't trust anyone, um, um, which is really sad to say. Um, I googled how long deep bone bruising lasts for, and to my surprise, it was one to two months. So by that indication, maybe it will be a long road. I was confused. Did he tell you that he rode before Arlington? I don't remember him saying how much he rode or whatever. Okay, because I, I saw he put on Instagram yesterday that, like, finally got to ride this week, but I could have sworn he said he rode before Arlington. But anyway, that's uh, besides. Yeah, maybe he said he tried one day. I think he okay, said, maybe... like, he, he did, like, some, you know, cycling and all that stuff and then tried to ride Wednesday. Maybe that rings a bell. Okay, so maybe he meant this week it was more like... A normal week. Productive yeah. riding. Uh, riding. Um, I feel like 
Chase needs to uh, put his foot down here quite quickly and remind his peers why he's got the number one plate, how good he is. Um, because, again, things change so quickly in this sport that I think a lot of the focus is now going elsewhere. Um, and we know how good Chase is. There were spots of that in Arlington. Um, at one point, it looked like he was going to go to the front with Tomac, and then it just didn't materialize. Yeah. So I think it's important for him to put his foot down quite quickly, but I don't necessarily think that Daytona is the place for him. So maybe roll that over to Alabama and Alabama, Alabama, <laughs> Alabama, sweet home Alabama is uh, um, the point where he needs to kind of get this, get this ship back into smooth waters. Yeah, I, I think it uh, it needs to happen. Yeah, probably no later than Alabama, I would say. You can't have successive rounds outside of the top five like he's had so far and it not end up productively towards a championship fight unless the guys ahead of you start making a lot of mistakes. So I would agree with you. I think that we need to see at minimally a top five at Daytona and podium in Alabama for things to be, I think, okay with Chase in a championship fight. Um, let me pivot to his teammate, though, Aaron Plessinger, who ran third forever, um, ends up getting third anyway because of Jet going down but was on his way to probably getting fourth with Jet in front of him and Eli coming uh, up and passing him. Uh, he, I feel like it's weird because he's kind of just like continued to exist in this middle ground. Glendale, he was second, then crashed, and then you know charged forward. But like, well, I haven't seen the race-winning speed that we saw at San Diego since San Diego, but I also haven't seen like uh, Plessinger's way off. Like He just is like there, and... He's the only guy in this 450 group that isn't Jet as a rookie that hasn't ever gone deep in a 450 championship fight. So, like, how do we even rate him at this point? Like, where do we put Plessinger in this this title fight? I'm much higher on Plessinger than it seems like you are, based on that little introduction. Um, I would say that we have seen the race-winning speed frequently since uh, San Diego. Uh, I would argue that he could have won Glendale. Okay, it was a very small sample size but it seemed like he was going in the early stages before his crash. Uh, heat races, we've seen it on and off. Um, so yeah, I would say that he's got raw pace. I would say he's in this thing. I think it's disrespectful to count him out. Um, I would say that he's more of a threat than, say, Jason Anderson, uh, to name one. Um, and you, I would listen to you if you want to say more of a more of a threat than uh, Roxon, because Roxon is now 19 points back. Plessinger is only whatever he is, six, seven, <laughs> yeah, the like, seven, something like that, yeah. Um, which it doesn't sound like much, but it's certainly enough of a gap where you'd factor it into this conversation. Um, yeah, I think Plessinger's really like one of the guys. He's Davy Millsaps in 2013. Oh, here he we go. That yeah, you got you had some flack for that uh, comparison, but yeah, the, the reason why I'm, I said what I said about Plessinger is because to me. He is the only guy that has not gone deep in a 450 title fight like everybody else, uh, including Jet, who won the 450 outdoor title. So, like, he, the, this is unfamiliar territory. We're now going into the unknown with AP. Like, how does he handle the pressure if by round 13 he's still only 10 back? Uh, I would argue that we've never really had Roxon go to go the distance in a 450 title fight. He was leading the points to like round 12 in 2021. Uh, yes, but you've just said we are. You've just talked about from this point on. Uh, I would argue that this is controversial, but hey, controversial is my middle name. I would argue that Anderson has never been in a 450 title fight. Keyword fight. 
he was in management mode through the second half of his uh, championship winning season. So not the same emotions, not the same pressure as what you'd get in an environment such as this. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I think Anderson 2022 was until round uh, 10 at Detroit and they crashed yeah, he out. Was and kind of was yeah. Yeah. And you, you, you've contradicting yourself, Kellen. Why? You just said until round 10, but at the start of this, round eight. from this point on. Yeah, but we're at round eight. So we're not at round 10 yet. I'm saying what if, what happens to Aaron Plessinger if he is 10 points out and we're at St. Louis or something like that. We've got four rounds of this series left, and suddenly it's go time. Win or not win the title. Like You have to go win races, or you are not going to be champion. Right now, he's getting thirds. He's getting seconds. It's great. He's right in the mix. When it comes to do or die, what do we see? Okay, when you put it like that, I believe that the others have more do or die oomph in them. But maybe he just consistency pays off, and that's what he uses to walk to this title. I don't know. Like, um, I I just feel like we need to give him more respect than he's maybe receiving because I feel like a lot of people are quick to glance over him. And you know what? He's in this thing, and he's and it's not a flash in the pan. He has been there week in week out. There's not been one instance this year where he's kind of uh, lost the toe of the lead group and been a background dancer. He's always been a front ground dancer. Okay, yeah, and Star I'm not trying to dancer. disrespect him, as you put it, but uh, uh, we, we know you, Kellen. You know me. Um, Video games have warped your mind, turned you into very, a very aggressive person. I mean, for the the good of the sport, I really hope he stays in it all the way to the end. Because if we have Eli and Jet and Kenny and AP all somehow involved in this title fight to the end, I mean, the the fans are gonna riot. It's gonna be amazing. Um, anyway, so let's move on from that. Uh, we're going to go into our first non-moto topic here today because this is the format we've chosen to go forward with. We go two moto topics and then our non-moto. And uh, our first non-moto topic here today is one that literally has nothing to do with moto. Sometimes we have them that do have to do with moto. Sometimes we don't. This one has nothing to do with moto. And Lewis, you started talking about it beforehand, but um, mandatory school plays for when we're young, when we're in grades oh, yeah, one I through forgot, three or something we like this. that. Yeah, grade one through three for you, which is first through third grade or fourth grade for elementary school kids here in the USA. Um, and you seem to be uh, rather annoyed by them, right? So take it away. Yes. So um, scarred me as a child, uh, turned me into the man I am today, but I still bear the scars mentally and physically from this horrid experience that I, along with every other child, was put through. Um, yeah, so this does happen in America. Like, when you're in elementary school, you are forced to, to, to partake in these plays and fucking put out on stage to, to die in front of an audience. Yeah, I think I was a tree in one play. I remember well, being, like, a shepherd you, in Helen. another one or something like that. So. Yeah, lucky you. Um, I... I'm better now, but as a as a young guy, I do I had I was like I'm not I wasn't big on like public speaking or stage fright or all of that stuff. Like one no part of that. Um but they just make you do it. And it's just like, mate, why? This is not gonna benefit me. So, like, oh Lewis, you're one instance, Lewis, you're a hedgehog. It's like, why? I don't wanna be a hedgehog. I don't wanna be part I don't wanna partake in your bullshit. Why? And then the worst part of my memory of this is I was a hedgehog and I had a hedgehog brother. 
We shared lines. My hedgehog brother got in trouble at school. His punishment was you don't get to do the school play. And I was like, what? So guess what? Poor sucker got given his lines and then just had to play two characters. <laughs> and I was like, but I don't want to do it. And they okay. were like, yeah, but you are doing it. And I was like, but like, what? Okay, I'll set the school on fire and punish me by not letting me do this. Like, oh my gosh. Like, uh, and then we had in Europe, which I guess you don't have, we had sports days, which I don't know how to explain, apart from it was effectively a school play, but for sports. So, like, everyone had to do like an 800 meter race, an egg a spoon race. Uh, I can't remember what sort of sport, like all shit like that, like like athletics stuff. And all the parents come to watch with cameras. And it's like, I don't want to run this race in front of everyone's parents. Like, I don't want to. Like, uh, like what? For, like, no, like, I don't want to. Like, why, why am I being forced to do this? Um, I, I'm with you in that I, it's kind of scarred me when I was young too, because I was not the type of person I like to be on stage or whatever. But I'll counter it to you with this. Uh, you always talk about, everyone getting a trophy, et cetera, et cetera. Is school not a lesson learning system? And so even though you may not like math, you have to learn math. Even though you may not like history or you know, learning about the past struggles of people before you or anything like that, you still have to learn it. And so maybe you may not like doing a play or being public facing in front of someone, but you're going to have to do it in life. And you're going to have to, in some shape or form, when you're a professional as well, do maybe group presentations or be involved in some sort of collaboration. So maybe this is our 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 teachers there teaching us from a young age, this is what we have to do. Yep. Uh, that's lovely, Kellen. Very nice. Um, I will quite happily stand on stage and do a report about this subject what i've learned on and done research for and prepared for not really taking much away from standing on stage and going oh hello everyone i'm a hedgehog oh i'm a hedgehog i'm a fucking poncy little hedgehog don't fucking blow my house down like no that's okay. no one took anything away from that except for me probably 16 years on now Finally getting it off my chest. And you know what? Maybe my life will improve now that I've managed to share this this experience. But um, yeah, no, no. Like, and I don't want to run a race in front of everyone. Like, the reason I like doing motocross is because I had a helmet on so no one could see me. <laughs> yeah, but that's different because motocross isn't isn't school. Again, it's a lesson learning thing. And uh, you say no one got anything out of that. And I don't know your parents. But I do know that being a parent myself, and I recently got to watch uh, my daughter be part of uh, musical, uh, like we love it. Like getting her to go see see her up on stage in front of everyone and sing songs, and she wore a little costume and stuff like that. Like I don't know, not every parent cares, but I care. It was fun to watch her do that and experience that. And maybe your parents felt the same way about you, Lewis. Well, if I ever have a child, they won't be partaking in any of that bullshit. Are you gonna pull them out of school? Yep. Be like, ah, oh, they're sick today. Yep, I'm gonna be like, this is the worst thing. I'm gonna be. They're gonna come home and be like, oh. I get to do a play and I'm gonna be like, don't be excited. That's fucking terrible. And you know what? <laughs> I don't care that you want to do it for your own good. Pulling you out. Is this the only thing in school that you did not want to do? No, I didn't want to do it. It's just all a lot. Of, it's a lot of nonsense, really. That's, like, what, that's what all of us feel about school when we're young, but we all had to do it. No, I enjoy I enjoyed it when I got to like get my teeth into something. Um I did enjoy it when like, oh, we're playing hockey this week. It's like, I distinctly remember another scarring moment from my school days. I, I'm in PE, 
which gym, I guess you call it. Uh, yeah, no, we call it PE here. Too. Okay. Um, in PE, I like never really tried or whatever because like, I don't need to. I don't want to play hockey. I'm, I'm not a hockey guy. I don't need to play soccer. I'm not a soccer guy. Um, I was quite a good runner back in the day. So when we did cross country running, I kind of was like, all right, this is my time. <laughs> so I proper went for it. And I remember my PE teacher going to me, Lewis. I've never seen you so interested and like motivated to do sports. And I literally remember, I can picture the exact like setting. And I literally turned around and went, yeah, it's because you're just doing bullshit sports. Like <laughs> do something that I like and I'll be, I'll care. Like, like I can run and I can win this race. So I'm interested. I, I guess, but again, to play the devil's advocate here, when you're young, you don't know everything. Obviously some people, yeah, but I'm talking high school now. Okay. Yeah, but sure. Even high school, you don't know everything. And so maybe at that point, you've never played hockey before or, or uh, cricket or something. I'm trying to think of British sports, but um, you know, here, like if I'd never played baseball until high school and I played it for the first time on, you know, some sort of like PE session or something. And I'm like, I actually proper like this. I might want to go and try out for the baseball team. Like that's what they're trying to do is they're trying to find interest level for you while also learning things about life. And, and getting good at that. And physical education is also about being physically in shape and not letting, you know, you go to waste, basically, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I remember arguing with my PE teacher once and I said, like, bring motocross in and I'll fucking show you. Yeah. <laughs> then I'll be the fucking number one athlete in the school. Like, well, we all thought that. Yeah, like, don't, don't. Dude, actually, fun story time. So I moved to New Zealand when I was 12, 13. My school in New Zealand had a motocross club. Ah, oh, it's amazing. And everyone in the motocross club got to leave school early on Wednesdays to go to the track and ride with the school. The school like took you to the track to ride. Oh, we need that in the US so much. We, I think we need it in every country. I was absolutely flabbergasted. I went to the same high school it was at the time that uh, Shane King went to. So mm. like in their um, main assembly hall, there was a massive photo of like, because obviously I guess it's, it yeah. is a big deal to have a world Well, champion. did he have anything to do with it? Do you, do you know? Like, did no. he like, oh, interesting. No, just, yeah, like just motocross club, uh, unfortunately. And, and other schools around you had it too? Like, yeah. oh, clubs meet up together and all this stuff? Yeah, they had like competitive like school race, school motocross races like you would with any other sport. Yeah. I love it. Let's bring it to the US. Lewis, you I and feel I like should I should really share. I feel like I, I feel like there's more like for me to share about. I need to maybe this can be non-moto topics let's, like Lewis uh, New Zealand. Let's you and I approach uh, Ryan Dungey, uh, who has the all kids bike thing and we do we 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 try to come up with some way to introduce motorcycle clubs or motocross clubs into schools. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, I I love it. All right, so in the end we 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 came around and we we like having people do extra activities in school, right? I'm scarred. I'm, 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 <laughs> emotional. I'm an emotional wreck right now. I have to relive all of that. Okay, so we didn't end up coming all the way back around anything. We're still at square one with uh, Lewis on that. Um, all right, so halfway through our show here today, big shout out again to EVS Sports. Over the past 39 years, EVS Sports has established themselves as the leaders in innovation and technology when it comes to designing protection gear for today's motocross riders. Athletes like RJ Hampshire, Kyle Chisholm, Freddie Norton, Axel Hodges, and Travis Pastrana all wear EVS when they race ride or whatever Travis decides to do that day. Check out EVS-sports.com to gear up like the pros and use the code LVK30 to save on anything from knee protection to shoulder braces. All right, time it is, or Lewis, it is time for our Race Tech fan topic of the week. And uh, Race Tech, again, for 40 years, Race Tech has been supplying the motorcycle industry with high-quality suspension components made right here in the USA. For modern to vintage, Race Tech is your go-to source for suspension performance. 
Our race tech fan topic of the week comes from at strid H eight, three, two. And he asks what country should be added and what race country in Europe should disappear in MXGP. It's too easy if we could pick Indonesia. So he's trying to keep it in Europe. What European country should be in and what European country should be out in MXGP. Lewis, take it away. Oh, okay. I forgot we were doing this. So I'm coming in cold. Okay. Um, in more ways than one. Uh, well, it's off for this year, but Finland was never very good. Okay. Nice country. Really, I, I like the Nordics, Sweden, Latvia. I'm a big fan of up Northern Europe. Uh, but Finland, the tracks were always very small and not very used very well. Like the track Vanta that they used last year was like a schoolboy track. And Hyvinka, which they used the year before, um, was like a massive plot of land. And you could have built Anaheim 1 in the middle of the track. They just didn't use it all. I was very okay. confused. Um, very confused by that. So Finland had a few stabs at it and didn't quite make it work. But I'd I'd like to have Finland back because I liked Finland. They just need a better venue for it. Um, Sardinia is a bit of a mess. Like The track's good because it's a sand track. And my, my long-term opinion has always been you can't have a bad sand track. Like Everyone hates... Um, like man-made car park tracks, everyone was fine with Assen. Why? It was sand. So when you've got sand, you're automatically going to get rough uh, bumps, lines, better racing, blah, blah, blah. Always been my opinion. Going to build a man-made track? Make it sand. It will work. Okay. Um, so Sardinia is naturally sand. So it's a good racetrack, but it's like the country's weird. It's like a desert island. Um, you can't see anything at the venue because it's like... Yeah. It's like but, inside of the dunes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that not a fan of Sardinia. I was actually saying to someone last night because our weekend off for Supercross at the end of March is the weekend of Sardinia. And I was saying like, of all like the one place I don't want to fly to is Sardinia. If it was any other GP, I'd go. Um, I actually was going to message you last night and see if you wanted to come to Argentina with me. Um, but I didn't because I know you hate me. So oh, okay. Um, all right. Um, we're going there. Yep. Uh, so what was the other, what was the other part of the question? Uh, which oh. one would you take off? So, or you took no, off Sardinia, one. right? So which one would you put on? Sorry. Uh, well, like pretty much hit every European country. Um, I'm trying to think of what European country they don't hit. Slovenia, I guess would be quite cool because you'd get a lot of fanfare for Tim and a lot of, uh, attention from the local government, local press, um, by the way, speaking of local government, uh, Sardinia isn't going anywhere because they pay a lot of money to have a GP. Mm. In fact, I once heard that it was around 700,000 euros. Oh. Um, uh, Slovenia, they don't go to. Sweden's back. That was off for a while. Uh, Portugal's back. That was off for a while. Um what countries don't they go to in Europe? I, well, feel like well, here, I mean, I was going to kind of ask you this because you would maybe know more about why. Why don't they go to Austria? I just don't think there's a track. There's not a single that... track that would that would work. Like, well, it's not. About you couldn't the track, do something like what they did at Qatar and like take a sliver of uh, the A1 ring or whatever it's called now, Red Bull ring, uh, and have a race there. Yeah, I'm surprised that hasn't come up, especially because Red Bull obviously like owns a part of KTM, don't they? Um, so you'd think that that would all tie in. Yeah, um, and it's in the middle-ish of Europe, so it's not like you're going way out there. But to be fair to them, I feel like they've really gone away. Like, apart from maybe like the flyaway races, 
I feel like there's not really much man, many man-made tracks entering MXGP. Like, it's not like we're building man-made tracks in Europe. We're Isn't just doing that what um, what's the Spanish round called now? Into Xanadu. Into that's, Xanadu. That's man-made, isn't it? Yeah, but that's yeah. Okay, so that yeah, that counts. But you know what I mean? I don't feel like there was a fear not too long ago that by 2025, the ca the calendar is going to be like 15 man-made tracks. And well, five... would you rather not in Spain go to Talavera? Oh, honestly, let me tell you, Talavera. I only went there once, or maybe I went there twice. That was such a good place. I that's would... what I'm saying. That... Like, I I think almost the question shouldn't be which countries we go to or not. It should be of the existing countries, what tracks should we change to? Because Into Xanadu is whatever. It's a fine track. But yes, Talavera is better, period. Yeah, but it's because of the infrastructure. Talavera was very small and like, car that. parking was an issue. And Is um, it easy to park at Czechia? Czech Republic, whatever? Yeah, no, there's quite, a lot, really. of, there's quite a lot of land. Farmland? Yeah, there's quite a lot of land. Oh, okay. Um, that facility looks tiny. What about Majora? Uh, no, Majora has always been difficult for that, but it does work. There's enough car parks and stuff like it works, but just, um, uh, yeah, Talavera, I would love Talavera to come back. Um, why, uh, do you know uh, by chance why there's no, not an Estonian round of any kind with how much, uh, there's been like Estonian riders that have been at the forefront of GPs for a while now. Honestly, I've never even heard a rumor of or like a suggestion of an Estonian Grand Prix. Uh, Latvia is very close to Estonia. Like Kegums so they just they just kind of lump that in the same yeah. way with like having Sweden and for Finnish riders like that's their yeah. home GP. Yeah, like that's that was my initial reaction was like I don't know if you'd go to Estonia if you're really saturating yeah. um market. Are and you... also it, it comes down to money. The cost to run a GP oh, yeah. is a lot. And I don't think Estonia has got a government that's willing to fund that. Well, I mean, I think we're talking about this in a perfect world. I agree with you. Slovenia would be amazing to go to because of the support that they'd have for Tim. In the same way, I think Estonia would be great too. To, you know, they would support, you know, the Leox who aren't even around anymore. But, you know, there's a lot of Estonian talent that has come through over the years there. And I think it would be great. I just hope we don't lose Belgium. That'd be another one that it, I would be concerned about the danger of losing enough tracks there that they don't go back. But it seems like Lommel's pretty seated. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Lommel's, Lommel's under a lot of fire at the moment. It seems like every other week someone else wants to shut down Lommel. Even though uh, everyone like lives there, they can't get enough people to push back against it? Well, it's still alive. So I guess it, I guess they are pushing back. But yeah, um, yeah it's, it seems like every other week I wake up and see a different like, oh, we're under threat. Um <laughs> Which is weird because, like, motocross gives so much to Lommel as far as like the local economy and stuff. Yeah, um, it's ridiculous. I was talking to Desal about that, and he's like, "It's so stupid." I tried to get on a board of people that fought to keep a track, and he's yeah. like, "After two meetings, I was like, I can't. These people are so stupid." Well, so. I don't know if Desal's probably the best person for that. To be fair, but um, uh, yeah, but back to like infrastructure. Yeah, Talavera would be great, but there's not enough hotels. There's not enough. Um, parking like the into Xanadu works because you just park outside SeaWorld. Yeah, I get that. Again, I'm just talking perfect world of like tracks you'd want to go to. Like, can we reopen Namur? That'd be great. Um, uh, two quick questions to end this topic though. Uh, to you, one, are you bummed we don't go to Rush anymore and go to Orleanock? And is there any tracks in Ireland or Scotland that you think should be on the schedule that aren't? Um, no. Why would anyone want to go to Russia? I, I'm just asking. I didn't know if that was a GP you guys enjoyed or not. I don't know. 
Yeah, everyone in MXGP is like, let us go to Russia, for God's sake. Like, it's geez. not even in deep Russia, though. Isn't it on the Black Sea? Still, the visas and everything that you okay, need to go to Russia, right, it's not right. good. Ig um, ignore it. Ireland and Scotland. Oh, let us go to Russia. We really want to, like, I heard a story once of, um, I can't remember who it was, but someone said they were staying at a hotel that got raided, like, the Saturday night of the GP, and they were in the shower and just police, like, kicked down their hotel room door and raided the room. Yikes. Okay. And they did that to every room. I, I don't know, man. I didn't ever go to Russia, so I don't have the experience. That's why I was asking you. Let's just say no one's Russian back to Russia. All right. Um, uh, what was the other? Oh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. No, you don't I, know I, of any Irish I, or Scottish tracks? No. Well, everyone British who's listening to this will say Desert Martin needs to be a GP track. But I went there once and I was underwhelmed. Is that in Ireland? Yeah. yeah. Well, Northern Ireland, but same okay. thing. All right. Well, I, um, I'm just asking a question, Lewis. I, I okay. didn't know if you knew. Um, all right, so that's our uh, MXGP topic of the week, basically, at this point. Uh, next topic we're going to get into uh, is Austin Forkner. Unfortunately, he crashes out of the main event in Arlington after leading and looking like he was on his way to having a very healthy and comfortable championship lead after two rounds with back-to-back -back wins to start the season. Instead, it's a complete mixed bag because Aiden Deegan wins the main event, but he's seventh in the points or sixth in the points. Max Ansey has gone 2-6 and is leading the points. Pierce Brown has gone 5-5. Five -five. And he is in second. So this 250 East Championship kind of feels wide open, but it also maybe doesn't because we kind of know the clear favorites. Do we? I don't know, Lewis. Where are we at with 250 East now? Um, it's, cra it's crazy. Oh, um, I could have done with an extra second there. Um, it's crazy how one in one injury has kind of like made 250 East suddenly seem quite not weak, but I suddenly feel like, well, yeah, who are the contenders? Like what? Uh, um. So that's, that's a bit of a weird dynamic with 250 East. Obviously, Hayden is the number one. Obviously. Take Hayden out, it would be between Max and McAdoo, I, I believe. Um, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, I would think so. I think that's um, a fair assessment because I think there's way too much inconsistency with others. Yeah, can Seth Hamaker win a race? Sure. Are Tom Vial and Chance Hymas going to be podium guys? Yeah, whatever. But like, I think McAdoo and Deegan are like the winners along with Anstey, like the guys that you can regularly count on to battle for main event wins. And behind that is, I don't know. Yeah, like Vial is currently behind Anstey, obviously, everyone is, but also Deegan, also McAdoo. So like, I'm not going to rely on Vial to leapfrog all of those riders because yeah. I don't think he's that level, like that much better, I should say. Um, and yeah, Hamaker is in a very similar situation to Nate Thrasher. Actually, how has no one ever made that comparison? Hamaker and Thrasher are the same person? Mm, I don't know. I feel like that's a little bit different because I feel Thrasher's top end speed is higher than Hamaker. I would say not top end speed, but I would say top end results. Yeah, I guess. What does Seth have two wins now and Nate has five? Uh, I don't know about Seth. How many wins does Seth have? He definitely won 2021 Arlington 2. I'm trying to remember. I thought he won another one too, but maybe I'm misremembering. Um, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I, I think that's a uh, fair-ish comparison. Yeah, Nate uh, Nate executes more often, but yeah, there's definitely like definitely um, effectively what I'm saying is two riders who at this point there's no purpose uh, in uh, betting on either of them to finish anywhere in a championship chase because like yeah, let's just string some races together first of all. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, I think Max needs to rely on consistency. He needs better starts. 
Um, he can't finish as far down as he did on Saturday because that's not going to get it done. Like I was thinking about it. If Max had got a better start and say finished second again, his lead in the championship now would be more like uh, 11 points, 12 points, yeah. which is quite substantial. Whereas it's currently four, which is you know, four points at this point. But in this it's, it's four over Pierce Brown, Benick and Cody shock or Benick and shock or six back or something like that. So it's not, to me, I don't know. That to me looks a lot more skewed on paper because we're talking about McAdoo and Deegan being the closest challengers to Anstey. And he's got, you know, I think Deegan's, I don't know, eight back, nine back, something like that. Seven. Seven. Um, but do we just disregard that four point gap and immediately just say, actually, he has a nine point lead or seven point lead, excuse me, on Deegan? Well, okay. Well, yeah, but same point applies. If he could have finished better in Arlington, he would yeah. have a. 15 point gap over right. Deegan. Uh, yeah. Suddenly you're like, okay, that's going to take some time for Deegan to chip away at. Whereas it's seven points, which again, seven points for Deegan. Yeah. Like, um, if Deegan wins this weekend and Anstey finishes fourth, that'll do it. Um, Am I being too harsh on Brown, Shock, and Benick? Like, are these guys for real? Uh, Brown is not in the same category as the other two. I've seen enough from Brown through two rounds to say that he's not a title contender, but he's definitely better and a top five regular can win races, which I wouldn't have said in years gone by. Um, shock and shock is shock. We okay. know, we know what we get from shock, no shocks with shock. Um, and Benick is a rookie. So like, you can't expect, you can't expect any sort of um, consistent run from Benick, I don't believe. Because I don't think that he's one of those rookies who is capable of almost transcending the rookie tagline. Yeah, well, I mean, we saw his heat race was full of quote-unquote rookie mistakes and uh, had to sneak in through the LCQ with a bloody face or whatever he had. Um, so let me ask this then. Uh, if we assume that the championship fight to some degree comes down to McAdoo, Anstey, and Deegan, are those the only three from here on out we see winning? a race or does somebody else get in there and totally change our perspective on this? I don't know. I would say that Deegan will win the majority of the races, which may stop others getting in. But on the flip side, I could see us ending up with like a load of winners because, uh, Anstey McAdoo can win. They haven't won yet. Uh, Hamaker can win, as we said. Vial can win. I do believe Vial. Did you interview Vial after the race? No, I didn't get a chance to. Oh, very confident like he straight without even me asking he was like yeah i can't wait to battle with deegan i think i could have beaten deegan tonight i'm excited to get out front and show deegan what i'm it's like whoa whoa easy yeah um i mean i think i i look at uh vial as not a championship contender but 100 a guy who can win a race or two this year because he's going to be like really sneaky fast out of nowhere at a couple rounds where the whoops are beat down and they're three jumpers and he just does it consistently lap after lap and then the speed elsewhere just carries him and then maybe those guys get a bad start or whatever. So I would say of the guys that haven't, we're not looking at guys that can battle for the championship. Vial is my biggest question mark of where does he fit in? Is he going to win a lot of races and be in the title fight or is he going to just be really fast and not show us that he can win? I, I would say, all I would say is that he is definitely better than last year. He's definitely a more complete Supercross rider, definitely got more um, pep in his step. Uh, yeah, here's a quick question for you. 
because someone said this to me yesterday. Someone said to me yesterday, I could see Vial going back to Europe quite soon. No. Do you get the do you get the vibe that Vial will be here forever or no? Because I think uh, I, I, forever is a stretch, but I think it would be at least a few years into a four fifty career for him here before he would decide to go back. I think okay. because yeah. now he's going to have to go back and get on a four fifty there. And I don't think that he wants to come off of two years of not being moto only and try to jump in with those guys. So I don't see it happening, but who knows? Yeah, just, yeah, I, I don't really have an opinion, but I was like, oh, interesting that someone has kind well, of. Especially, that. especially because I feel like he is figuring it out. Like if he was still what we saw like three, four rounds into East last year, we'd be like, oh, yeah, I guess maybe things aren't going great yet. But. I thought he looked really fast in Arlington and Detroit for that matter, but just had two terrible starts and Detroit's a different situation, but he did not have a good start in Arlington and spent the entire main event coming forward and battling through Hamaker and Hymas and all those guys to get into a position where he could be on the box. Yeah, no, Vial, as I said, Vial is definitely better. And I think there is potential there. Uh, I would say that if he doesn't win a race this year, it will be a disappointment. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, so I, I think... I think we're pretty fair in our assessment of, of Max, Deegan, and McAdoo, the guys, everybody else, we got to see kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, all right. So time to get into our final topic here on LVK. It's the one Steve Mathis is probably most excited for us to talk about because he was telling me we had to talk about it. I didn't really have that much of a uh, you know push to get this out there to the public. But um, yeah, so Lewis, I was at the Triumph Media intro, as you know. And of course, I'm going to talk to Clement Desal, MXGP star of the ages that never quite broke through for the world title. Um, and we were kind of all sitting around, uh, maybe right after lunch or something like that. And someone said, "Like, does anybody know if uh, Lewis and Clement get along? Because you obviously had a long career before coming to the US of covering MXGP. And a lot of that career crossed over with Clement yeah. Desal. Um and so he happened to be walking into the tent as this conversation was happening. So I just said, hey, Clement. And uh, he comes over and I'm like, do you like Lewis Phillips? That was the question I asked him. Yep. And he's like, sorry? And I'm like, do you like Lewis Phillips? And I think he didn't understand who I was asking about or maybe... Yeah, there's no way he would know my name. Uh, maybe not. Um, but he was like, I, I don't know. I don't know. So then we had to... I forget who, but someone was like, would Lewis have ever even talked to him? And I'm like, yeah, of course. Like Lewis was covering the GPs, you know, probably six years of Clement's career there, at least yeah. seven. Yeah. Uh, and then so we were like, you know, the British guy that wrote for MX Vice or something like that. And and he's like, oh, blonde. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I know who you talk about now. And um, so we were kind of all like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, did you ask if I like him? And I said, yeah. And he goes <laughs> and turns around and walks out of the tent. Yeah, he probably thought you were just having fun. <laughs> I don't know, like, man. Don't the think... way he laughed, he was just like, <laughs> and then backed away. Like, mm. yeah, he probably realized you were having a joke and was like, haha, funny. Like, ah, I won't tell you because it's going along with a joke. Uh, okay. But you never had any run ins with Clement. No, like, no, because honestly, like, he wouldn't know who I was because he wasn't very media friendly. Um, like, he didn't like. He's not. He's not an outgoing character. So he would all. He like. He never wanted to do interviews. To be honest, I'm 
I don't know if you're the same, but like if I know a rider, like for instance, if I know Anderson really doesn't want to talk to us, so I just like I don't. Yeah, I, I can't bother. be bothered. Yeah, yeah. I'll so try like, occasionally, but yeah, yeah if it's, it's not... if it's there, like right yeah. in front of you, then you try, but you're not going to seek Anderson out. Um, watch now every rider really try and make it clear that they don't like media, to, so we just avoid them all. Um, so yeah, I never really like hunted to sell out. Um, like I spoke to him a few, like last time I saw, well, I, I was trying to think actually, I don't even know if I've seen him since his last GP, which would have been four years ago. But the last time I spoke to him at a GP, we were sat chatting away for ages and he went, oh, before you go, I will let, let me give you my number so you can, because he was talking about like opportunities and he was like, oh, you can help if it like, if there's ever any opportunities for me to do something, you can call me. So take my number. Like, so that was the last time okay. we spoke. All right. Maybe you guys are good. I don't know. The, the Like, he laughed about it. So then we all laughed. And he continued to walk out of the tent. And he looked back a few times, continuing to laugh like he was yeah, laughing he was at our reaction. Joke, I, I don't think. know. Maybe, yeah, maybe it was like that. I didn't get a chance to double down and ask him. because stop, we were... stop trying to destroy my I'm career. I'm not trying to. I thought it was a hilarious interaction. Well, let me just tell you, if, if Ben Watson was there and you said, what do you think of Lewis Phillips? That would have been a very different conversation. Uh, yeah. Um, you would have been. You would have had to deal with an hour-long speech about how great I am. Uh, but kind of the overarching topic of this uh, that we wanted to get a little bit deeper into today is uh, people who don't like us in the industry because we've we've kind of talked about it before about the media's withstanding and where we're at in the industry of what we were viewed as, I guess, and whether or not we're even respected in that regard. Um, but have you? Aside from this weird interaction with Clement, have you had any people that are just like? I can't be bothered with Lewis. Um, yes. One who I don't really want to say the name of because okay. um, the bloke's such a dick and achieved so little in his life that he doesn't even deserve to be discussed on his podcast. Uh, but the funny thing is, if he listen, if he, this makes his way to him, he'll know I'm talking about him, which means he agrees that he achieved so little because otherwise it wouldn't compute. Okay. So, zing. Uh, yeah, there's been a few where I don't get where it's come from. Like I was quite good. Like I was like Sean Simpson was like my first friend as a rider, and then one day he just like didn't like me anymore, and I have no idea <laughs> to this day. I don't know what changed. Um, so that yeah, like okay, like um, I think it was because when he started his own team, he wanted me to. He he wasn't happy that I. He felt like I should have like championed him more for starting his own team. Uh, that's kind of the only uh, like report I got. From trying to figure it out, um, obviously, I thought I thought Koldenov didn't like me for the longest time, but in hindsight, that just seems to have been a drama that everyone decided to like have fun with. No, uh -huh. come on, I think he genuinely probably didn't really enjoy you at some point. No, he, at first, at first, he was like definitely like standoffish. Not, yeah, like not. I don't even know if I'd go as far as to say pissed at me. Yeah, but he was definitely like not a fan. But I didn't talk to him for four years because I was told he hated my guts. <laughs> Turns yeah. out, because like people were like, oh, you don't want to go and see Glenn today. And I believed them. And then when I finally started talking to Glenn, he was like, no, like he said, because I didn't interview him for four years. And he was like, yeah, because it started because I went to interview him and he went, I'm not talking to you. Yeah. So then I just didn't talk to him for four years. And then he was like, yeah, I expected you to just come back for next weekend. He was like, I would have talked to you the next weekend. And I was like, no. You told me, you told me you didn't want to talk to me, so I'm out. I've got other riders. To so talk classic to. misunderstanding is what we have here. Yeah, maybe I should have just like gone back, but I was like, 
Until like, if you tell me I don't want to talk to you, I'm not. I'm going to presume that is the status until you tell me otherwise. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, on my side, you, I don't really have anybody that I, I knowingly uh, doesn't like me. Um, I try to keep my nose pretty clean, and I feel if I had to get an interview out of basically anybody, I don't think I would have anyone that says no. But I think the same. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's where we're at. Uh, but <clears throat> I did have one kind of funny story. And uh, maybe she'll definitely not like me after this, but I wrote a Saturday Night Live report after a race at one point, and um, it was after Barsha won a race or was on the podium or something like that. And in the report, I did not include this. Jason Wygant went in later and added a little bit about him training at, I think it was um, Woods' training facility in Georgia. Right. And... <laughs> I didn't know this, so that was why Weege added it, because he was trying to just explain some turnarounds that Barsha's had in the last few weeks yeah. or something like that. And because my name was the only one on the byline, woke up to an email the next morning that included a forwarded email from Davey, and I think Weege was in it or something like that. And it was from Justin Barsha's mom saying, who is this moron, Kellen Brower, working for you guys, misreporting information about where Justin's been, what he's been doing, blah, 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 blah. And I didn't even write it. So I was like, I don't even know what he's, she's talking about. And I had to go back and read the report uh, to see who added it. And then we figured it out and basically all this stuff like that. But genuinely, I think for a little while, Barsha's mom was like, this guy's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I've ever had that. Um... Yeah, I don't know if I've ever had that. Like, I don't know who... I'm sure... Well, I'm certain there are people in the American paddock who don't like me, but I'm so new here that I would say that most people don't know who I am yet Yeah. Um, to, like, have formed an opinion. Um, but I'm, there's obviously... There's got to be someone who's all, like... Who's already, like, yeah, no, I don't get... Like, no, yeah. I'm out. I mean, but yeah. it's never come back to me. I think, generally speaking, there's probably a lot of people that really actually don't like us, but they just are like, oh, I have to tolerate you. Like, they well, that's won't... Nice. Well, I mean, I, I really I, like there are writers that don't like the media. And on top of that, don't like the media who are opinionated, which there's only a handful of us that really are. Uh, you know, we'll go in on an, a topic or an opinion like we did today on a couple people. And so I think that they don't like that we have opinions about them and they will just immediately shut down when talking to us because of that. But they will still talk to us. It's just with a cold shoulder at that point. In that regard, I do miss the I do miss GPs in that regard because like that relationship just didn't exist in GPs um, yeah. between the media and the riders. Like, um, I don't know if it's because there was less of like a media presence in Europe, so the media as a whole wasn't as big a risk. Um, but yeah, like that is definitely different here. Um, yeah, just a, a little more fear about like what we're going to do or say or whatever. Well, as uh, I'm sure you know, you've talked to people that have in return to you, riders, team personnel, whatever, have in turn to you said, I don't really like that guy or whatever. It's not necessarily about a media person. It could be about another rider or something like that, right. but they tolerate them. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I think there's a lot of that in our industry. Well, Prado just sent me a really nice text. So I'm now a big Prado guy. It, yep. Yep. You you guys gonna have a nice long call after this? Mm-hmm. Yep. All aboard the Prado pickup truck. Yep, and then you're gonna break all the news about where he's going in 25. No, 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 because we're just friends. You're just friends. No, you're not. Gonna, no need to <laughs> it's not an inside source. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um. 
yeah, so that's that's cool. And uh, shout out to Clement. It was really nice to be able to talk to him. I well, never... I liked Clement, and I was actually sad, but I wasn't there to see him. But now I'm yeah. wondering. I I I don't. I think you're right. I think it was probably a little bit in jest, and he was just trying to play it up to us a little bit. But yeah, yeah, like I think because if he didn't like me, I think he would have just said like, "No, fuck that guy." Well, what's interesting is Steve after afterwards um, might have even been on the pulp show said something along the lines of like, "Yeah, I went to some GPs." I've had minimal react, you know, interaction with Clement in his career, but he's a nice dude. Like post career, Clement might be like, you know, not best retired ever, but is more outgoing. It sounds no, like, yeah, so. like he, no, he was more outgoing, just not at the races. Like uh, in 2016, his first year on Kawasaki, I was allowed to go to uh, a photo shoot at Glamis, and that was the first time that I saw Desalle outside of a race setting, and he was so nice. And like, I was shocked because I was like, oh God, this could be hard. Like, what if he's like, I was thinking like, he might be like, what the fuck's this guy doing here? Like, but because it wasn't a race, he was great. Like, I remember we left Glamis, went to a gas station. He pulled up at the same gas station and came and like knocked on my window and was like, hello. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, wow. What a friendly guy. It's like that <laughs> meme of Total Wolf knocking on the airplane yeah. window. <laughs> You're saying, like, oh, come on to sell. I was like, oh, like, and then I remember, I remember saying like, did not expect him to be such a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Um, yeah, so that is uh, our episode here of uh, EVS Sports is LVK more than Moto. Lewis, good show. I thought it was a fun show today. Honestly, I'm dying. This, I've, since about the third topic, I've been wanting to throw in the towel. This has not helped my condition. So yeah, thanks. honestly, my Believe head me. hurts a little bit now too. I'm worried I'm probably catching something as well. But I uh, hope you heal up. Hope you're okay and make it to Daytona safely. I'm not going to Daytona, so enjoy. When it. is your next race, Seattle? It's going to be a little bit. I'll just say that. Okay. Well, I'm going to Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah. Well, and then you're going to Argentina in between all this. So, congratulations. Well, no, no. Well, I was gonna. I was considering sacking off Alabama to go to Argentina because genuinely, I'm really excited about MXGP because, like, similar to Supercross, we've got all the contenders healthy here. In MXGP, we've got everyone healthy, which doesn't happen, and it also may be the last time that we see Hurlings, Geyser, and all that compete healthy together. So I think MXGP is going to be great. Catch That's interesting because two weeks ago you said, I hate the preseason races. We already know what's going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, but like I can, I've made enough uh, hypotheticals in my head. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I'll tell you what did it. Hurlings did an interview on video in Hawkstone and there was a glint in his eye. And it was a glint of like, like I know Hurlings well enough where that glint I saw in his eye is a sign that like he's, he believes that he's onto something. And I watched that interview completely ignoring what he was saying. And I was like, oh, yeah. Is it the, okay. Uh, okay, something's cooking. Let's see where this goes. The gate drop interview you're talking about? With uh, yeah, it was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, what did he say in that one too? Something about like, I don't even think I could beat Jet Lawrence these days. So. Yeah, because I don't know why everyone thinks he's a dick. He's actually really honest and really like, yeah. <laughs> says good stuff. Great guy. They're all great. Bring them all over. I can't <laughs> wait until her 2026 outdoors when me and Hurlings are just buddy, buddy. LVK. It will be uh, JV, no, JVL. 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 All right. All right. We'll, we'll get there when it's time. Uh, thanks, Lewis, for joining me. Go uh, rest and, and chill your head down a little bit, buddy. And um, we'll see you next week on some more LBK. Thank you, Callum. All right. See you guys.